Welcome to Shari and Kate's 2017 Budget Review. Hi, and absent Shari tonight, but uh, she's um, had other plans and we had some technical difficulties, so let's just go for it. All right. So, Kate, what do you think of the federal government's budget? Look, I think there's two ways of looking at this budget. Uh, I wrote on the day that I thought it was Labor light and that it was also Trump light. There was very little traditional conservative budgetary policy in terms of debt reduction or expenditure cuts. This was the year, being a year after an election and two years short of the next election, when one would expect a coalition government to look at expenditure cuts and deficit reduction. It was a tax and spend budget, so a lot of commentators referred to it as Labor light. Uh, our network, right across the News Limited tabloids, uh, had uh, images of uh, Scott Morrison looking at himself in the mirror as Wayne Swan. Having said that, while the budget purists and the conservative core constituency in the think tanks and big business were probably upset with it, I think it's a politically quite shrewd budget. I think it's based on an assessment that the vote that is going to Pauline Hanson's One Nation is driven more by economic insecurity than it is by cultural factors. I know there's a lot of culture war anger about Islamic migration, there's a lot of aggravation in the electorate about political correctness, and there's a lot of static around those issues. But I think what you've seen with this budget is a prime minister and a treasurer who've said, at the bottom line, a lot of the people who are going to Pauline Hanson are worried about Australian jobs, they're worried about falling living standards, and the fact that real wages have stagnated. And in sequence, Scott Morrison tried to address every one of those issues. Do you think he was successful in doing that? Look, I think he gave it a very workmanlike shot. Uh, the structure of the budget was very clever. Uh, his own speech, he went through in sequence uh, pressure on wages. He committed the government to maintaining essential services upon which Australians' living standards rely. He made a, a gesture towards housing affordability, although a lot of that is outside the Commonwealth government's control. Uh, and there was some harsh language for banks and a levy on the banks, and he and more than once really pledged the coalition to support Medicare, uh, the uh, the progressive increase in the Medicare levy to put forward support for the NDIS. I think he did a lot of very clever things, and he's put a floor under the budget's po uh, under the government's poll position. I feel with this budget, I think he's largely achieved what he set out to do. The problem that the Turnbull government has had is in its message delivery. And I think the problem that they could encounter is keeping on message. They've laid down a gauntlet to Bill Shorten with this budget, but will they be able to control the agenda a week hence? That's been the real test for them. I guess you could say that ties into some of the politics of the budget. What are your thoughts on that? Well, look, again, comes back to the fact that it's been described as labour light. Some of the conservative commentators, Andrew Bolt was very critical of it. Peter Credlin, writing in News Limited, said that it was the end of the Howard Costello era. A lot of thoughtful conservatives are quite offended by this. I spoke to a number of, of conservative backbench MPs. The unifying quote that I got from a couple of them was that, look, it's not the budget we'd have liked to have delivered in the best of all worlds. However, it's the budget we're stuck with. So there's support for the government. They know they're under political pressure. And the simple fact is, even those MPs who voted for Tony Abbott in the leadership spill are saying, 
we're stuck with this because the politics of the of the Joe Hockey Tony Abbott budget in 2014 was so bad it left us no flexibility to really cut deep on cuts. So it's a pragmatic budget. I think the politics are basically quite sound. And now the ball's very firmly in Bill Shorten's court to see how he comes at this and attacks it. On your point of Peter Credlin's comments that it is the end of the Costello-Howard era, do you think that's true? I think that's a very fair point, and we can take their word for it. Peter Costello said there's no such thing as a good tax. He was quite sceptical about... Uh, the Medicare levy, Uh, he was critical of the tax or the levy on banks. John Howard was more guarded, uh, although he did say that he had some reservations about the way the banking levy was to be imposed. And I think both of them, I think you could say that Howard and Costello uh, refrained from criticising the budget directly, but they were hardly enthusiastic in supporting it. And I think there is a sense that we've entered an era now where the coalition is not priding itself on the party of surplus, on the party of debt reduction, and on the party of cutting out government waste. This is a steady-as-she-goes budget, and let's be frank, it's a tax-and-spend budget. And what do you think that means for the people? Well, I, look, I think the electorate will probably like this. It'll be very interesting to see the news poll. Again, Peter Credlin, of whom we've spoken, said that she thought this was all about ramping up Malcolm Turnbull's news poll standing. I think the government should get a sugar hit from this. It'll get a bounce. A lot of constituencies have been addressed. There's, there's a very big substantial uh, increase in funding for schools. Uh, the pressure off Medicare is, I think, ends the scare campaign that Labor mounted. I think a lot of people have been very worried about bulk billing and about Medicare. And the other big one is the NDIS. There are a lot of people who are caring for, for people with disabilities, people who are outside the workforce and reliant on on carers at home. This is a very big package and the messaging out of the budget, whether it is ultimately funded or not, there's some very positive messages for those people. So I think initially the government will get some sort of bounce from this. And how do you think Labor will respond? Well, we saw that in Bill Shorten's reply last night. I think uh, he's, uh, he's looking a little bit like a man whose clothes have been stolen. A lot of what he's been agitating for the coalition have done. Uh, but the bottom line on it is, from, from Shorten's perspective, uh, he's got a lot in his arsenal in that Labor have always enjoyed high levels of trust on Medicare and I think he's going to attack Turnbull and say, well, well what he's, tra- he's transparently saying that there's still a big tax cut coming for corporations. He's calling it a tax cut for millionaires when ordinary Australians don't get much. He's projecting forward and saying that big business is getting a tax cut and that the average Australian worker will get $2 per week in about another five years. So um, he's been accused of class warfare by our papers. Uh, I think there's a general feeling that Shorten is going to bash business and accuse Turnbull of being a prisoner of the rich. I'm not sure that has tremendous resonance given how broad brush uh, the benefits in this budget are to ordinary voters. On the issue of uh, housing affordability, I yeah. know that uh, obviously it was addressed in the government's budget. Yeah. Do you think that's going to make any difference at all in terms of first home buyers actually getting a food? Look, food I don't oil? really. I think, I, I think, and and Morrison, I think, is conceding that the biggest area in which I think you can make an impact on housing affordability is increasing the stock. That is well outside 
the control of the federal government. They can do something about social housing at a Commonwealth level. However, the state governments really are responsible for servicing land, unlocking land suitable for building and, and density. Uh, we're in a vicious cycle on this, though, in Australia now. We're a very urbanised nation. Expanding our cities is one thing to decrease the the afford, to decrease housing costs by increasing the stock, but you compound another problem: the jobs still tend to involve a long commute, and then you're throwing money at infrastructure so that people can get to accessible employment to afford the wages to pay for their houses. So I think. Uh, Scott Morrison made some useful gestures, uh, the, the ability to, for people to, to salary sacrifice into superannuation and get access to assist with their deposits. Look, it's, a, it, it's symbolically important. I think it gives hopes to young people. But really, when you look at the median cost of housing, especially in Sydney, I don't think it's going to make an appreciable difference. I think Gladys Berejiklian has much more say in the cost of housing in Sydney than Scott Morrison does. I think, uh, on balance, I think Scott Morrison has delivered a budget that is politically sound. It is reliant on some very optimistic growth forecasts, and that's going to be where the rubber meets the road. There are two issues that I think will worry the Conservative base. By 2021, when he's looking at the, at the, at the budget self-correcting, it is quite likely, on present indications, we'll have a Labor government. That's the big problem, that those people who are worried about uh, debt rising as a portion of GDP, about Australia getting into a debt spiral where its credit rating is under threat, I think those people are going to be very concerned that Scott Morrison has kicked the problem of debt down the road and that that will await a, a treasurer with a greater mandate and more, more policy tools at his disposal to deal with it. Hoping Sherry Markson's in great shape. We had a terrific time in the lockup. Look forward to seeing her again soon. Had some technical difficulties today, but we'll put the band together again next week. News doesn't have to be boring. The Brits have given Prince Harry a new nickname after yet another tell-all interview. Oh, God, is it the ginger winger? <laughs> <laughs> Let the team at news.com.au get you up to speed each day with their podcast from the newsroom. A couple were busted joining the Mile High Club. Well, I guess they can't fly virgin anymore. <laughs> Politics, sport, red carpets, royals. Get all the goss in just a few minutes. Follow from the newsroom wherever you get your podcast from.